You might not wake up thinking about routing control, plane anomalies, prefix hijacking, and other route leaks, but your agency network administrators do, or they should. In the ever-changing cybersecurity world, these bugaboos have led to denial of service attacks and poor network performance. Now the computer security people at the National Institute of Standards and Technology have new draft guidance on dealing with them. Joining me with more, Doug Montgomery, Manager of Internet and Scalable Systems Research at NIST. And Doug, it's good to have you back. Glad to be talking to you. This latest guidance, which is in the draft form, let's start at the end. How long do people have to read it and comment on it back to you? We extended the deadline for this first draft to March 15th. So that extension was because of the uh, furlough shutdown situation? Yeah, it turns out the servers that uh, host the document and the uh, comment feedback information were down there for a few weeks. Getting into the so we're meat. back in business. Good. Well, we're glad to have yeah. you back. Getting back into the this report itself, you are talking about a lot of very specific things in cyber. What is it you're trying to accomplish with this latest draft? Over the last several years, there has been a, a growing trend in some fairly sophisticated attacks in the internet, both um, hijack kind of attacks and DDoS attacks that really focus on some weaknesses in um, inter- what we call interdomain traffic exchange. So this is focusing on the protocols and techniques that exist between an enterprise and their ISP, namely the border gateway protocol, which is used for interdomain routing and the kinds of um, signaling and um, security features you would want at the edge of the network to both um, protect your routes and your routing information from being hijacked in other places um, across the internet and to allow you to um, defend yourself against DDoSs. In other words, the attacks at that particular intersection have gotten more sophisticated? That is where your network leaves off and you attach to the internet service provider? Certainly, yes. I mean, uh, once again, there's two things being addressed here. One is securing um, aspects of the border gateway protocol, which is how you announce your routes all across the internet to the far sides of the world and control routing to your destination. We've seen um, some very sophisticated attacks There was one perpetrated against Amazon Web Services' authoritative root server where people are doing BGP hijacks, falsely um, announcing routes to a destination so that they they can attract the traffic. Um, These attacks can be used for simple um, denial of service, black holing traffic, but the example of um, what what is known as the, the AWS uh, Route 53. It's the name of their authoritative web server attack. People were doing BGP hijacks so that they could forge DNS information and in the end actually um, capture the credentials to cryptocurrency. So we're beginning to see BGP attacks that are used as a vector to other forms of sophisticated attacks. So part of the um, draft guidance focuses on what agencies or enterprises should require of their ISPs in terms of both protecting um, their routing information and protecting the agency or the enterprise from... um, being diverted by falsified information. 
And one thing about the um, Amazon examples is, is a good example is that the guidance also recommends to agencies that they include these kind of requirements in the contracts for hosted services. Um, your cloud service providers, your content service providers should be taking similar steps to make sure that your outsourced information services aren't hijacked as well. We're speaking with Doug Montgomery, manager of Internet and Scalable Systems Research at NIST. And you mentioned Amazon, which is the largest cloud provider to the federal government, and I guess to just about everybody. And that's a question that many agencies have been having is what about protecting traffic once it leaves their networks and heads to the cloud? Is there someone in between you and the cloud, like a, a third-party communicator that's also part of this chain, or somehow does the cloud – communications piece extend as far as the customer directly? Um, you know, in some cases there can be direct private peering, but as we evolve to a sort of uh, multi-cloud world, right, in which agencies might, you know, contract various services from various cloud service providers, um, doing dedicated direct peering is difficult. So we rely on public Internet routing to get from our agency enterprises to what is effectively critical infrastructure running in the cloud. And it's that vulnerable gap um, in between where if um, malicious parties can hijack Internet routing, they can effectively, um, at a minimum, uh, deny you access to your cloud services. And in the case of some of these more sophisticated attacks, use that as as the um, the opening to you know perform other forms of of hijacks and malicious activities. You know we're in a cloud first uh, environment where the the uh, overarching guidance is to outsource most um, critical um, services and federal agencies. And so we've put a premium on having internet routing be secure and robust. Now, the report that you have in draft mentions a number of technologies and products that can mitigate this particular danger. Should this be something that the agency owns and controls, or can you put it on the cloud provider and say, I want these types of technologies in place for where my network edge ends and the communication en route to the cloud begins? Who should take responsibility here? Well, certainly there are some of these techniques that can be um, implemented by either party, either the ISPs, the cloud service providers, or the enterprises themselves. What the guidance suggests is that um, these techniques should be part of the requirements for um, the contracts, right, and the, and the services um, established to interconnect these domains. Whether whether it's implemented on the ISP side or the agency side um, can be worked out on a case-by-case -case basis, but somewhere in that um, peering relationship, as they're called, service contract for um, Internet peering, there are certain technical requirements that need to be in place. And should your service level agreement simply specify this technology shall be in place, or are there particular performance-related types of metrics that you can put in there as a result of having those products in place? For the most part, the guidance deals with um, functional capabilities. Certainly when you begin to talk about the ability to mitigate DDoSs, 
um, quite often. Those services, if you will, are um, scoped and scaled um, by the volume of attack that one might need to deal with. Certainly, DDoS mitigation services, right, is a, is a uh, large and growing uh, area of Internet services nowadays. So you can't really expect zero DDoSs ever in your lifetime on the network, but maybe you can have capability in place to discover them quickly and mitigate them. Right. The The, the section of the guidance that deals with DDoS um, focuses on two things. One, one is, you know, many of these DDoS attacks are what are known as amplification attacks. They rely on spoofed IP source addresses to bounce queries off of highly resourced Internet servers and if you spoof the source address of the query to actually be your intended target, you end up reflecting off of the Internet service and um, you know, uh, putting an enormous number of bits on um, some victim target. So part of the guidance here um, deals with the mechanisms for source address um, verification to make sure that ISPs are filtering their clients and their customer sites to make sure that there are not spoofed IP addresses coming out of the site. Um, once again, these spoofed addresses are um, you know, the, the, the critical enabler to these amplification attacks, which is really the technique that is used um, in most of the um, very large-scale DDoS attacks. And the second side of that, so that's a preventative me measure that should be happening you know, all across the Internet at the Internet's edge. The second kind of recommendations in the guidance are for mechanisms to allow you to defend yourself um, when you are receiving a DDoS from the Internet, the ability to selectively signal to your ISP to drop certain inbound flows. So bottom line, the readers of this report sounds like should be not just simply the network administrators, but anyone involved with cloud selection and the eventual migration of services to a cloud. Absolutely. You know, the um, highly resourced, both in terms of compute power and bandwidth, cloud services are becoming a favorite launching point um, for large-scale DDoS attacks. And so, yes, we recommend that the requirements here be considered both for basic ISP services to a federal enterprise and in requirements to their um, outsourced service providers. Doug Montgomery is Manager of Internet and Scalable Systems Research at the National Institute of Standards and Technologies. Thanks so much. You're welcome. Pleasure to talk to you. Find a link to the draft guidance and to this interview at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or Podcast One.